This morning I want to begin by saying that I'm about to preach a text that I know I have preached before. According to Sunday school, Brother Mike could tell me exactly whenever I preached this text the last time. But nonetheless, I know that I have preached it before, and I do not apologize for re-preaching this text because it's one that I believe we need to be reminded of, at least for myself, I will say. I need to be reminded of this over and over again. Before we get to the text, I want to share a thought with you that may also be a repeat. If it is, I do apologize for that. I don't mean to repeat illustrations or thoughts, but uh, if it is a repeat, I trust you will forgive me. But I want to begin this morning by talking to you about something that most of you are aware of. But about a year and a half ago, Susie and I decided we wanted to do some remodeling around the house. We wanted to open some things up. And so if you were in our house before the remodel and you've been in since then, which I think most of you have, then you know what we did by way of work and what we have done over the last few months. Whenever we started to knock out the walls, something that I was aware of was the fact that we were going to have to do some kind of a transition between what was once the kitchen that stood alone and the living room that would now be joined with it by way of the flooring. Because we have tile in the kitchen and hardwood in the living room, I knew that there was going to have to be some kind of a transition between those two types of material to make it look good and to make it look right. And so we finally got to that place in the remodel process where I was going to put down some new tile and then I was going to put some trim down and I was going to tie it all together. And for the most part, that process went well. However, whenever I put the trim down, it began to reveal how crooked some of my cuts were on the tile. And so as a result of some crooked cuts on my tile, there were gaps between the tile and the wood trim that I had just installed. As Susie looked at it, she could certainly notice it. As I looked at it, I was certainly aware of it because I had been staring at it for the last several hours. And so I said something to her to try to make her feel better about the whole setup and the whole transition. I said, they make some stuff that you can fill these gaps with and you'll never be able to tell the gaps are there. Sure, we'll be aware of it because, you know, we're the ones who have fixed it and repaired it. But just to look at it, nobody will even notice it. Nobody will even realize it. So she said, that's fine. No big deal. And that was how the conversation was left. Well, it's now been a little over a year since that trim work was installed. In the last year plus, guess what I have not purchased? The stuff that has been made to fill in gaps. Not only have I not purchased the stuff to fill in the gaps between the trim and the tile, I've not even gone to the store to look for it. And so over the last year, here's what we have done at our house. We have passed over that crooked tile and gaps in the trim for so long that I've become used to the flaws and the imperfections in our floor. So much so that I don't even notice it anymore. So much so that whenever company came over yesterday, it didn't even bother me that there were faults and flaws in the floor. Just it is what it is. 
I know at some point I could probably buy something, but I'm so far removed from that and I'm so used to it now, it doesn't even bother me. It doesn't even get my attention. It's not anything I point out to anyone. It's not anything I apologize for. It's, it's just it's a part of our house, and it'll probably be that way until the Lord returns or we end up selling it to someone because I have no intentions of addressing it. Now, if I were to guess this morning... I would suspect that if I went into your house, you have some projects like that. You are going to get to that. But that day just has not come yet. You were able to put something over it. You were able to disguise it with something else. You thought, well, if I put something here, no one will notice that. And, and as you have done that, here's what has happened. The further removed you have become from that project, again, the more accustomed you have grown to it, so much so that it doesn't get your attention any longer. Now, this morning, I want to come back to that principle in a few moments, but I want us to begin this morning by looking at the last word, the last word of verse number 136. In the last word of verse number 136, we read this word, law. And so we know that the writer is speaking of the law of God, and as I have mentioned in previous messages, we understand what the law is a reference to. We understand what the writer is talking about. He is writing about the precepts or the statutes of the Word of God. He is writing about the instructions of God's Word or the direction that God's Word gives. And as he writes of the law of God, in this particular verse, here is what he says, They keep not thy law. They keep not thy law. And so what the writer is declaring is this, is that they are not keeping the precepts or the statutes of the Word of God. They are not keeping the instructions of the Word of God. And they are not keeping the direction of God's Word in their lives. And so as we've done before, I want us to think about this word keep and all that it involves. Again, because of where the message is headed in the next few moments. The word keep has three primary definitions that I like to focus on whenever I consider this word. The first idea would be this, that of observing something. To observe something. The other definition, or a second definition, would be this, that of protecting something. And the third would be the act of preserving it. So you have observing and protecting and preserving something, and of course the law being the subject of attention right now, or the instructions, the precepts, the statutes, and the, and the direction of the Word of God. And so here's what the writer says as it relates to the law of God. They are not keeping it, which means they are not observing it, they are not protecting it, and they are not preserving it. So in their own personal lives, they're not worried about doing what the Word of God says. When the Word of God is under attack, they're not worried about protecting it. And as far as the Word of God is concerned for future generations, they're not too worried about preserving it. It's as though he were living in a day and he were living in a time in which people simply were not worried about God's Word. They could disregard it. They could set it aside. They could have no real personal use for it, and they were content or satisfied to live such a way of life. Now, as you read this, he said in verse number 136, because they keep not thy law. 
You remember what this was like, don't you? Whenever you would go to your parents and you would say, they get to. Well, they're doing it. Everyone else is. And, and if this ever happened in your house like it did in mine, then you're familiar with these words. Who are they? Who is everyone else? Who, who is no one? Okay, now I say that for this reason. As we look at this verse, he says, They keep not thy law. One of the questions that I had in mind this week was this. Who is the they? Who is he talking about whenever he says, They keep not thy law? Is he talking about his fellow countrymen? Is he talking about his fellow Jews? Is he talking about his family members? Is he talking about friends? Who is he talking about when he says, they keep not thy law? And here is what we have to be honest about and say, we don't know who they is a reference to. He just said, they keep not thy law. But here is what we can kind of assume based on the writing of the verse. That whoever it was who was not keeping the law was someone that he expected to keep the law. It seems as though the writer is not looking at the heathen nations who served other gods, and, and he's having this thought process in relation to them. They're not keeping the word of God. That, that doesn't make sense because there would be no expectation for the heathen to keep the law of God, the instruction, the precepts, the directions of the word of God. And so as you think about the, the statement, they keep not thy law, what seems to be implied is this, is that these are people who know the law of God. They know the importance of the law of God. They should know the significance of the law of God. And yet, though they know all of it, they're not keeping it, they're not observing it, they're not protecting it, and they are not preserving it for future generations. That is what it seems to be the idea here, is these people know better, and yet they're not doing what they know they ought to be doing. So that seems to be the day and the time and the culture and the spiritual temperature or the atmosphere in which this writer is living and which these words are being penned. And as you think about that, this morning I want us to think about something else before we move on in the text. I want us to, to consider this thought. Does that seem like a somewhat relevant statement to be made of our generation? Well, the answer is yes. We seem to be living in a generation right now where people are not worried about keeping the law of God. They're not worried about doing the Word of God. The Word of God says this. The Word of God instructs this. The Word of God directs in this manner. The Word of God declares the statutes are given, the principles are given, the precepts are given. And it's as though we're living in a day where people say, well, I'm not too worried about that. We're living in the same time frame, aren't we? Y'all are just kind of looking at me like you're not sure what I'm talking about. That seems to be the generation we're living in. It's as though people aren't real worried about observing the law of God. We certainly seem to live in a day where people are not too worried about protecting the law of God when it's under attack. 
So wherever the attacks may come from, whether it comes from this arena or this arena or this arena, it, it seems like so many people are just content to sit back and, and not say anything in defense of the Word of God. So, so if the liberals want to attack and if the atheists want to attack and if this group wants to attack, it, it's like everyone is just shut down and we've gone into this hibernation mode and, and people don't want to protect the Word of God. And, and there seems to be very little concern in our generation today and in, in our culture today to preserve the Word of God for future generations. And I know that you know this, but it's not the secular world that is struggling with this. It is the supposed Christian world that is struggling with this. You look in churches all across America, and the Word of God clearly says this. And you have people who identify themselves as Christians, and their response would be something like this. Yeah, but I don't feel... Who cares what we feel? The, the Word of God directs and the Word of God instructs and the Word of God guides and, and the principles are clearly laid out. And somebody says this, well, I don't think. It doesn't matter what we think. This is the world, though, and the generation and the time frame that we're living in, that, that there is a, a group, a segment of people amongst Christianity, those who ought to know better. That when it comes to just doing what God's Word says, there is little or no concern. It is the Christians who seem to be backing down from any kind of a spiritual fight these days. We don't want to say anything that would be offensive at work. We don't want to say anything that might be offensive, you know, in the family setting. We don't want to say anything that, that, that might upset people. You know, no matter what they are spewing off that is offensive to us, we don't want to protect and we don't want to stand up and, and guard against and fight against it. We don't want to do that because we have become, in, in so many areas of our spiritual lives, we've become wimps. We don't have to admit it publicly, but it's true. Just watch what is happening. We don't want to say anything. We don't want to upset anyone. We don't want to disturb anything. And then you look inside the church, and it seems as though so many people are not worried about preserving the truths of God's Word for the next generation. I was visiting with someone yesterday at Nathan's reception. As we were talking, he was talking about how in their church there is such an age gap between the kids and the older adults because he said what, what's happening in their church is so many people are so busy now with the kids and all the kids' activities. And so there are sports taking place every weekend and there's something happening this weekend and something going on this weekend. And as he was talking about the church that he is a member of, I thought, my goodness, that same story can be told time and time and time again because we are living in a day where parents are more worried about entertaining their kids than they are training them for real life from a spiritual perspective for the years to come. Amen. There's not much keeping of the law of God in today's culture. Now as the writer makes this declaration in verse 136, I think many of us are familiar with what he said prior to that statement. He said in the first part of the verse, rivers of water run down mine eyes. 
Rivers of water run down mine eyes. If you just had to use your imagination for a moment, what does a river of water sound like or look like? It sounds like something that is flowing, right? Something that is moving. Something that is coming with some kind of a, of a passion or, or some kind of, uh, of intensity. He said that rivers of waters were running down mine eyes, which indicates this. There was some weeping. And there was some sorrow. And there was some sadness. There was grief in his own personal life that was the direct result of people who should have known better not keeping the law that was supposed to be a part of their lives. So here the writer is, and he's looking around, and they know better, and they know better, and they know better, whoever they are. They know better, and yet because they're not observing and protecting and preserving the law of God, he cannot help but be grieved and saddened and sorrowful and weep because of the spiritual condition of those around him who again know better. This morning, I want us to think about his response to the disobedient. Those who do not keep the law, think about his response in comparison to what has seemed to become the normal response today. And we just said a moment ago, people aren't keeping the law in general. Even those in the church. So many in the church are not observing, protecting, or preserving the law of God. And we said, that's right, that, that's what's happening. And it's, it's, it's not taking place in, in our time today. It, it's, a, it's a reflection of what he was looking at. Okay, so, so as we consider that, ask yourself the question, what seems to be the typical response amongst God's people toward those who know better who aren't doing it? You know what the typical response is these days? So it seems. It seems as though most people respond to disobedience now, kind of like I respond to the gap on the floor in my house. It's just something we've gotten used to. It's just something we've grown accustomed to. And a person not keeping the law is something now that it's been happening so long it doesn't even get our attention anymore. You understand what this looks like, don't you? 
I mean, we're living in a day, and, and let's just say there's somebody who's not doing God's Word, whatever it may be. And because we see it happen so often, I mean, okay, this person claims they're a Christian. This person says they got saved when they were at youth camp or whatever it may be. They got saved at a revival, but they're not doing what the Word of God says. We've seen that so much, it doesn't even register with us anymore. It's just another empty testimony. It's just someone else's story. It's just someone else who, who's got a line and they've got, you know, they've got whatever it is they want to say. But they're not living it, but it doesn't really affect us. You see people and the Word of God is under attack and you see so many people who are not willing to take a stand and, and, and it doesn't even register with us anymore. We're, we're used to Christians being silent these days. It's like it's been programmed into us that, that we just accept that people don't take a stand anymore. And here we are in a day and a time in which people don't seem to be too worried about preserving the law. It's just it is what it is. Have you ever found yourself guilty of that? There is blatant disobedience right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess there is. Did you not notice the attack right there? I mean, I mean, they, they just totally attacked the Word of God and everything that God's Word stands for. Did you even notice it? Oh, no, I guess I wasn't paying attention. Do you realize what your kids are doing with your grandkids? Oh, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, they they got to be there. The coach said they're really important. I mean, do you realize that your kids aren't even taking your grandkids to church on a regular basis? I mean, do, do you see what's happening here? Do you see what's taking place? Uh, well, yeah, 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 I, I guess I do. It seems as though we have come to a place in our religious society and our religious culture that we are so used to the flaws and we are so used to the imperfections and we are so used to a, a people who are not keeping the word even though they know what the word of God teaches we have become so accustomed to it that it does not even gather or grasp our attention at all. I just want to ask you something. Is that the right response? Well, obviously not. There should be a sensitivity maintained in our spiritual lives towards those who are not keeping the law of God. There should be some kind of sensitivity that any time we see it, something would, would get our attention and say, that's not right. And in the midst of that, here's what I want us to see. That whenever we see someone living in sin, whenever we see someone living in disobedience to the Word of God, our response ought to be, at least at times, that of grief and that of sorrow and that of sadness. Obviously, I don't know what your personal life looks like on a regular basis. I don't know what your prayer life would look like. But any time I read this verse and give it any consideration at all, 
You know, one of the questions I have to ask myself is this. When was the last time I wept over a person's sin? When was the last time I looked at someone in the church and, and the lifestyle that they were choosing to live and how they were backsliding and, and, and how they were going astray? When was the last time that I wept over their sin? And I know what so many of us would say, well, we're, we're just not people who weep very much. That's not true. We weep whenever we feel inclined to weep. And, and there are certain things that move us. And so whenever I'm honest, I have to ask myself this question. When was the last time I wept over someone's sin? sin. When was the last time I was grieved? Maybe it didn't produce the rivers of waters running down mine eyes, but when was the last time I was truly grieved and I was sorrowful and I was sad because of the direction they were taking? When was the last time I looked at what they were doing to their families and I was just so grieved by what was happening? See, in, in my heart of hearts, here's what I've got to admit when I'm honest that there are so many times that I've become so calloused to sin and, and the, the disobedience of people that I have just written them off and there is no sorrow or grief or sadness. And I just, I don't even, I don't even notice it anymore. You reach a point sometimes as a pastor where you say things like this, I'm not even going to mess with them anymore. I'm not going to bother with them anymore. And, and there's no brokenness. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. When was the last time you grieved over someone's sin? When was the last time you saw someone going astray, not worried about the Word of God that they claimed to be a follower of? The Word of God under attack and you saw another Christian not take a stand. The Word of God not being transferred from this generation to this generation in some family's life. When was the last time you saw that and you even noticed it? And if you noticed it, it grieved you to the point of maybe shedding some tears. We have become so apathetic in our churches these days that sin and disobedience no longer moves us. It no longer provokes us. It no longer stirs us up. We just continue on, walk right by it, and it doesn't get our attention. This morning, this is a side note of everything that I've said to this point, but I just want to throw this in real quick. I think some of you, if you were like me, here's how you would justify all that. You would say something like this, well, yeah, it's probably true that I do overlook some things and things don't get my attention. And, and yeah, it's, it's probably true that I don't, you know, weep as much as I should or I'm not as broken as I ought to be. But I'll tell you, I haven't gotten used to it. It still makes me mad. Good. Sin ought to make us mad sometimes. There, there's a place for righteous indignation. I understand that. Well, well it still frustrates me. Okay, I understand the, the need of being frustrated sometimes. I, I get that. But you, you can't get away from this thought then. When was the last time, though, it made us weep? There should be something within us from a spiritual perspective that we could not just overlook the sin of those around us. 
We ought to see it. It ought to capture our attention. And it ought to grieve us, maybe even to the point sometimes of weeping over the fact that they're not doing what they ought to be doing. One more little side note, and we're going to wrap this up. You and I know this if we're honest. It is so easy to see everyone else's sin before seeing our own. You know that, right? I mean, I, I know what sins you're struggling with. Now, me personally, I don't have any, but I know what you're struggling with. You know what I'm struggling with, though you don't know what you're struggling with sometimes. Now, now I say that for this reason. The writer said, because they keep not thy law. He had a sensitivity toward their sin, and it was motivating this sorrow and this grief. I want us to think about this. If someone else's sin isn't grieving us, do you know it's probably safe to say that our own sin is not grieving us? You know, if I can look at a generation go by me and their sin is not really capturing my attention and it's not really breaking my heart and causing me to weep and cry out to God and saying, God, do something in this person's life, do something in this family's life. If that's not grabbing my attention and and provoking me, I, I can almost guarantee you my sins aren't doing that to me. We need an awakening to the sin around us. We need an awakening to it. We need an awareness to the sin of the, the, the ones around us who ought to know better. And there ought to be a brokenness in our heart for those who are not keeping the Word of God. just want to ask you again, very simple, very straightforward, nothing clever about this. Do you notice it? Do you notice it? What is your response to it? If you notice it, what is your response to it? One of the right responses should be that of weeping and sorrow and grief. And if we're not sorrowful and if we're not grieving over the sins of those around us who know better, there's something wrong with us spiritually. There's something wrong in our hearts spiritually because that ought not be so. Let's all stand this morning for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take a moment and just, with the help of the Holy Spirit, do some honest looking in our own personal lives. Lord, it may be that someone in here would have to admit that they've lost that sensitivity. They go through their daily lives, they don't really notice when family members or friends or church family is living in disobedience. It doesn't really get their attention, and if it does get their attention, they may have to admit.